Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast with me, Bias.com. Joining me today to interrupt our regularly scheduled programming is TJ. Hello! So we decided that instead of recording weeks after an episode hits, we're going to record immediately afterwards and talk about it. And if you're listening to this the day it posted, this is Tuesday. So we're honoring our 24-hour rule. And uh, I guess it'll be like 36 hours since the episode aired that this will go up. And uh, yeah, so we're going to break down for the next six weeks each episode after it happens and post it in case you guys give a shit what we think about these episodes. Yeah, we'll have watch list probably on Wednesdays, some most weeks out of the next month and a half. Yeah. And we'll still have Talk of Fame, homework stuff going up on Thursdays. Um, it'll probably mostly be Chris and I only. Yep. Although there's one week where it could be David and Brent only. Right. So, we'll see. We'll figure it out. It'll be fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I just read a stat. Uh, this episode blew the uh, the previous TV record rating, or rating record, out of the water. Uh, Big Bang Theory held it at 14.7 million viewers. Uh, this was 17.8 million viewers on HBO versus, what, Big Bang's on CBS? Or, yeah, NBC, one of the you know networks, the Big Four. Yeah. So, yeah, which is just fucking absurd. But it goes to, you know, I always use a baseball analogy with Brent, which is like, who's the best player in baseball right now? And the answer is always like, do you mean besides Mike Trout? Because he's just, like, head and shoulders above everybody else. And that's what I feel like with Game of Thrones still. It's just like, I feel like it's just, you can't compare it to even something like Breaking Bad or The Wire. Cause right. It's a, a different ball game. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's we've talked about it before in the comparison. that It's basically like, in normal seasons, it's like ten short movies. And this year, we're going to get, like, Three short movies and three regular ass movies <laughs> right. with a typical runtime. But so last night or Sunday night, uh, we had the uh, the season eight debut. Uh, episode was titled Winterfell. They were very lock and key about what they'd be called. Yeah, because Winterfell so giveaway. Yeah, uh, directed by David Nutter. Um, he directed other kind of table setting episodes. He's a red wedding, isn't he? I'm uh, going back through. He he directed the finale of season five. Um, he directed um, the Reigns of Casimir. Yep, yeah. Red Red Wedding and the follow up episode there. And there was another one. Um, and he directed directed an episode in the the middle of season two. And that's all I'm seeing from him. Um, but. Apart from the Red Wedding, the guy has done mostly kind of... I don't want to call them spacer episodes. I still think this was a really good episode. And the Reigns of Casimir kind of is... It's not like badass like camera work action shit. Right. It's still set up. Yeah, it's not it's your... It's just an iconic episode. It's more. He's more your like high drama director than your giant battle director. Um which we'll talk about next week's episode and kind of a, we don't know anything about it, but you know, got some, we'll probably have some thoughts about it. Um, well, man, I'm excited for, uh, so David Nutter is also doing episode four, but, uh, Miguel Sapochnik is doing three and five and that's Battle of the Bastards wins a winner director. Yeah. So that's probably going to be like Battle of Winterfell or whatever they're going to call it. Yeah. Um, in episode three, I'm guessing from what we saw. Yeah. And, um, to, to kind of take a step back from that, I do want to uh, run through the, the, the plot really quickly. 
Um, in this episode, we had uh, Jon Snow and Danny coming back to Winterfell um, to reunite with Arya and Sansa and Bran. Fucking, of course, Bran. We have uh, Bran. We have Bran. Do we even see Brienne? Yeah, we see Brienne at at, at the council meeting. Um, so they come home. Um, we've also got uh, you know the the couple episodes at King's Landing. Cersei basically still conniving to betray uh, the very thin uh, peace that she had brokered at the big council last season. I almost said last year, but that would be a lie. Yeah, uh, five hundred ninety-five days before this episode aired. Um, including, uh, you know, Braun getting some news from Kyburn that the, that Cersei wants to buy his contract, basically. Um, and, uh, Euron returning with the Golden Company and, uh, ending up uh, having sex with Cersei. Um, then we see the, maybe not immediately afterwards, but the, our, the, the scattered members of our Magnificent Seven who were still on the wall at the end of last season. Uh, we see them at uh, the last hearth with the remainder of the Night's Watch. Um, you know, this is this is really just kind of an episode where they're just showing you where everyone is. Theon rescues Yara from uh, Euron's ship, The Silence. Yeah, Yara's on her way to the Iron Islands. Theon's on his way back to Winterfell. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, who's... Uh, Eddie? What's his name? Ed. The new Nightwatch. Dolores Ed, yeah. He's now, I guess, paired up with Tormund and... Um, Flamesword. Yeah, Beric Dondarrion. <laughs> yeah. This is why I ran the Game of, Co- Game of Thrones recap. Game of Cones. <laughs> Ice cream time. Yeah, the Cones of Dunshire. <laughs> this is this is why TJ and David will never do one of these. Right. <laughs> um, actually, David probably knows his names. I don't know. But... um. But yeah, so they're kind of ganging around together. But they, they went back. To, they got back to Winterfell, right? Yep. Well, uh, no, they didn't make it back because that was the end of the episode. Uh, with uh, we see them back at Winterfell in the next week. Yeah. On, um, and then we also have some some more drama and kind of big plot movement happening at Winterfell. It's mostly about the John and Danny romance. So John rides his dragon, and just Danny's presence. Yep. Period. Yep. Danny and Sansa have a spat in front of the Lords of the North. They're obviously irritated. They think that Jon Snow bent the knee just because he was chasing tail. Um, he tells them that he was chasing dragon tails and armies. And, you know, they're not really buying it yet. Not helping that his sister is kind of uh, undercutting him in front of all of the bannermen of the North. Yeah, I mean, that seems like a smart move on Sansa's part, though. Just to, like, make sure she didn't lose... Like, they don't lose what they have, kind of. Right. Well, it's 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 really fun because, you know, John was made King of the North by a democratic process. And uh, Sansa was another Stark, and she was the Lady of Winterfell before he got there. And the Lady of Winterfell has always seemed to have kind of a little more power than most, like, ladies at high houses in, in, in Westeros. So it's funny because they kind of had an unofficial king and hand relationship. Right. Where Sansa, obviously, uh, John's hand at one point was Davos when he was off uh, doing basically mission work uh, for the North and going to Dragonstone and trying to get the Dragonglass. 
But Sansa really is like the most influential member of his quote unquote small council. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to see like, well, here's your democratically elected king of the north. And here's kind of the, uh, um, you know, this, I forget Doris Kearns Goodwin's book about um, uh, Lincoln surrounding himself with like kind of political adversaries to build kind of a, what he called, she called like a better democracy. Yeah. I should know. But, you know, it's that kind of thing. Like, you kind of like that there's a dissenting voice and he's not, like, despotically ruling. Um, the, the, the council they'll take under advisement. Sansa has a say and then John has final say. But Sansa has a say sometimes that is contrary to what he, like, initially kind of rules. Yeah, I thought they did a good job because I think as a, most viewers went into that thinking, like, John's right. Yeah. And they did a really good job in that episode, I thought. Um, in an episode where there wasn't a lot to do, other than just like set the table for the next five episodes, basically burn the clock so that the White Walkers get closer, right, and get everybody in their places, you know, put the chess pieces on the board in the right yeah. place. But they uh, did a good job of like slowly, like chipping away at John's correctness, yeah, until Sam kind of drops the bombshell, which is just like, would you have killed my dad and brother, right? And it's like, oh no, we all know John wouldn't have done that, right? So then it's like. Well, shit. That's a good little moral quandary John's in now. Right. It was kind of a, an interesting progression of the chinks in his armor. Because first you get Sansa kind of saying, like, like defying him, saying, you know, they voted for a king in the north. They, they picked you. And she's like, and how do we feed these armies? So then that's like a feather in his cap that he has to consider. Yep. And then he runs into Arya, and Arya's like, remember, we're your family. He's like, I'm protecting my family. And she says, yeah, so am I. And, and well, Sansa's the smartest person I've ever met. Yeah. Yeah. And just like, kind of slowly people are kind of ruining his summer romance. Uh, yeah. I mean, I still think like in the, in the long term, and this is, you know, pretty nihilistic, but I, I think I probably side with the utilitarian thinking of Jon Snow. That, like, what good is the family name Stark if there are no Starks left afterwards? Right. You know, the bonds we have now are meaningless if you reject the one bond that I think gives us the best shot at still being alive in a year. Yeah, he's still got the trump card of, I'm the one who's fought him multiple times. Yeah. Yeah, and I know that literally nothing else matters. Yeah, unless you're Sam Tarly or now Tormund Giantsbane, right. the only two other people to kill like a white and a walker, right. like don't talk to me about how to kill whites or walkers. Right. I guess Danners is burned some with her dragon, but, but she's on board. Yeah, but <laughs> she's on board. So yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and then that yeah, that was the last bit of plot is that Sam goes down into the crypts of Winterfell. Um, kind of echoing the first season, uh, right in front of Ned's tomb, uh, the 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 person who told John that when he, that when they see each other again, he'd tell him about his mother. Sam, in front of the tombs of Ned Stark and Lyanna Stark, kind of breaks the news to him. Said, "Brandon, I figured it out. You are uh, Aegon Targaryen the seventh, I think he said. Yeah, it was um, kind of a jokey way. It was funny. He was like, "Yeah, seventh of his name. Yeah, seventh of his name. All that." All of it. <laughs> Protector of the realm and all of that. Yeah. But, so, John knows. And we were joking when we were watching it live uh, that, uh, it's like, I wonder when he's going to think about what his then relationship with Danny is. 
And he kind of hesitates and blinks extra long once, and it's like, uh, that was when. <laughs> yeah. That's when he realized he, he was doing. He was doing the like, Zach Galifianakis hangover meme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Putting all the math numbers together. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if or how that's going to get in the way right. of the battle, because the battle's in, like, impending. It's like, it's happening like now. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we're, we're basically told in the, and I know some people don't watch the next time on, but, you know, we're going to talk about it because it runs in the next, like, minute. So if you don't want to hear the next time on, you shouldn't be listening to episode recaps yes. um, of the show. But, you know, we know that, that it's it's coming soon. They will it's be within like, view of Winterfell next episode. Right. The battle might not be until the next episode. Right. I, yeah. That's I, the other thing that kind of, I don't know, not like pissed me off, but like maybe questioned some of the Sansa stuff was when she was just like, how do we feed all these armies of these dragons? And it's like, they're going to be there in like a week. Like, it's not like, and it's also White Walkers and not a human army. There's not going to be like, they're just going to come. Right. They're not going to stop coming. Right. This isn't going to be a true. Well, they're not going to set up outside Winterfell and like set up camp. Yeah, and, they're like, not going to besiege Winterfell. Right. Well, it, I mean, it, it makes me think that that Sansa just, even though she knows and she believes John, I don't think that she has any real concept of what this force is. Um, and you can't. Right. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Obviously. I mean, other than like the people who have seen them in the North, or you know, the Magnificent Seven that episode last season. Or, you know, one of the 12 people at that council meeting. Jamie, yeah. Yeah. No, no one else has really seen them. Right. So, they don't know that they're they're basically like rabid dogs who are going to come and keep coming until they're dead. Yeah, there's just a lot of... That political game is still getting played by a lot of characters, I feel like. It's like, interesting, yeah. Yeah. Uh, including, like, Tyrion in some ways, and Varys for sure. Yeah. Well, it's... They have they have a really funny conversation. It's Tyrion, Varys, and, uh, and Davos... Up on the wall, just kind of looking down at John and Danny, being like, you know, that's how they keep us at, at arm's length, is they respect us. Right. Like, you know, this this may be the twilight of our best years of anyone listening to us at all. Davos reminds me of a... Oh, I'll try to remember where I'm going with this when I start, but he reminds me of like a children's character in like a Lord Byron poem or something where like the kids always spoke truth yeah. in romanticism like literature and I, cause I feel like Davos is just like the truth teller so if he has an idea it's probably the right way to go if they can get it to happen or not that's a different question Yeah, but like when he was like we need to earn it they could be this couple Right. I feel like that is the way to go I feel like we're, Davos is just kind of telling us that's the easiest way to end the spat between yeah. hating John because of Danny. Yeah. Um, Just get them get them married. Right. But, of course, we have a, you know, R plus L equals J has been, like, the thing forever, and that's a pretty big wrinkle in Davos' plan. Yeah. That he doesn't know. Yeah, and I think it's just John, Sam, and Bran who know right now. Right. Um, but it's it's interesting that you say really? that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she just, she's still trying to think of what word ragger is. Um, but... It's interesting you say that because in the books where Shireen is still alive, um, Shireen has, there's this jester who went mad somehow. So there's some illusions that that he was like uh, ironborn. And when he did the ceremony, like basically the baptismal ceremony, and he went under, they couldn't resuscitate him fast enough, so he had brain damage. But, you know, so he basically like trots around the castle making prophecies. 
And because she's Shireen's, like, best friend, uh, she kind of says all this, like, wacky shit. Uh, Shireen, if you're not familiar, was Stannis' daughter. Worst, um, worst death of the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Saying all this, like, wacky shit. And Davos is the only one who, like... Well, Mel Saunders terrified of him. His name is Patchface. Okay. Uh, Mel Saunders terrified of him because he's dead and he's alive. Uh, like the Ironborn. And yeah. so that's, you know, strictly against Raholler's wishes because, right. you know, Lord of Light kills the darkness. Right. Um, but Davos spends a lot of time thinking, like, this is really creepy how much this, like, weird jester of what he's saying is coming true. Um, oh. And so he basically works secondhand. Shireen telling him things that Patchface said, and then him kind of relaying it to Stannis and Melisandre, being like, what about this? Huh. Um, it is interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, it's definitely uh, an interesting spot for those three characters with the burgeoning love. Um, and then we get uh, the How to Train Your Dragon moment right after they are talking about it. So I read that today on a few articles. Yeah. It was yeah. One, one of the top memes on the... <laughs> there are two Game of Thrones subreddits. There's one that doesn't give a shit about spoilers. It's called Free Folk. And then there's one that like really gives a shit and will ban you. And it's just Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, but Free Folk is always like posting memes and dumb stuff. But that was theirs. It was their faces on uh, on Hiccup and whoever the lady is. Astrid. Yeah. Mine that I stole and sent to one of our Facebook threads was <laughs> that like if Brad could walk it was just that... Picture of Michael Myers, like, real far away in the original Halloween, just staring at you. <laughs> it's like Brand was doing it every scene. Yeah. He was, like, 50 yards away, just staring at fill in the blank. Yeah. Um, Chris had a real good mom joke while we were watching. <laughs> when he looked at Jamie at the end, Chris just, like, started, like, a polite little wave. Yeah. Hey. Because that is how the episode ends. It ends with, with Jamie Lannister showing up. Uh, it looks like he's dyed his hair a little darker. Um, yeah, I, I, at first I was like, what is this shit? And then I was like, well, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's... Not a lot of blonde people in the North Folk. Well, that, that's the whole reason why he why they made a big point at the end of Season 7 of him putting on the glove over his gold hands. Like, why does he need a glove on that hand at all, except to hide that he's the guy who lost his hand and now has a fucking gold-plated hand? Right. So, I think he was trying to disguise himself, and he comes in in the robe, and it's like, yes, I made it into Winter, Winterfell undetected. And there's Bran staring at him. Yeah. Like, we've got something to talk about. <laughs> Although, I don't think Bran's going to care. I was going to say, good news for Jamie is that Bran could give two shits anymore. He doesn't care about much right yeah, now. Yeah, he's going to be more cares freaked about out by Bran. And we don't know it. Yeah, we don't know what the fuck Bran cares about. Yeah, Bran said that he was waiting for a friend. And I'm curious, who do you think he's he's waiting for? Um, Peter Pan's sister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mira? Yeah, Mira Reed. Yeah. Well, she went back to the uh, to with back home with Howland, back in Moat Kaelin. Right. So they're back in Deepwood Mott, kind of the marsh that separates the north and the kind neck. of parallel with the Vale, sort of kind of. Yeah. Well, there's that. Yeah. Um, so I mean, maybe he's waiting for her. Um, it's interesting that he would use the word friend, though, seeing as Bran hasn't really. I mean. John says, like, you've grown to be a man, and he said, not quite. So, like, he's separating himself from the things that we understand as, like, human, uh, like, stages or relationships and everything. Like, you know, people tell him, like, you look good, or or I've missed my brother, and he basically says, like, I'm not your brother in season seven. So now for him to tell someone, like, I'm waiting for a friend, 
he like either all of a sudden doesn't care about creeping people out, which that's clearly not true. Right. Or he's like, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I'm well, let's spit on that for a little while. Like yeah. what are the options? You got little girl Reed. You yeah. Got, uh, is it Benjamin Stark? Is that the, could be Benjamin Stark. Cold hands could come back. Um, it could be the night King. Yeah, he, he could he could refuse to move with the army and want to stay there because he thinks that he could be maybe an important piece in a last stand. You know, one of the only capable wielders of whatever weird green seer psychic magic that the two of them both possess. Right. Or maybe he's talking about the dragon. Or and, Jamie. Or Jamie. It could be something as simple as he's talking about Jamie. Yeah. Because um, he tells Sam. When Sam goes, oh, what are you doing out here? Someone should get you inside. He says, I'm waiting for a friend. So we know it's not Sam. And, you know, he's already seen John. It's not Arya and Sansa because they've been there. So it's 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 an interesting bit of writing that I think that, um, you know, Benioff and Weiss are responsible for, yeah. for. For him saying that compared to kind of how he's acted all season. Right. Maybe it's Melisandre. Maybe he wants to meet with her and have kind of a treatise between the two kind of competing religions. Yeah. I mean, also, like, we've all convinced ourselves that Bran doesn't give a shit about politics and that it's all the White Walkers and nothing else, kind of. Yeah. But, I mean, we don't know what he... He could know that they win this battle eventually already. You know what I mean? Right. And that he's there for Jamie to make sure Cersei doesn't do some shit at the end. We just have no idea what's in Bran's head. Yeah. Because it's literally everything. It, he could be waiting for Hodor. Yeah. I mean, there was there was something we you know we all did this like really goofy hundred and five question survey before kind of our season well, prediction Hodor come back as a as a white yeah um, and that that could be and maybe that's Bran's way to kind of disguise himself in the army of the dead because you know he's warged into Hodor before right so we know that he can do that with him you know maybe that's who knows yeah. Um, but really interesting question. Uh, I'd be curious to know what other people thought about that. If DJ Hodor comes back. <laughs> um, so I do want to ask you something. Um, what role, if any, do you think the Golden Company is going to have? Um, we have the Golden Company. They show up. Euron brings them back from Essos. And Harry Strickland, who we're introduced to for the first time here. Harry Strickland. Really sounds like he's a realtor. <laughs> um, but... You know, he's, as as Kelly called him, a low-rent Matt Smith. It did look just like him. Um, but what what role do you think they have in store for uh, the Golden Company? Is it... Do you think that Cersei's that afraid of the size of the, um, the Dothraki army and the Unsullied and the dragons and just wants more bodies? Or do you think it's something more, like, devious? And I'll, and I'll, I'll tell you why I'm asking the question. Is there thoughts that... Well, I don't think that she can pay her 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 loan back. Or, yeah. she, or she paid her loan back with what they stole for, for, from Highgarden. Right. And then the Iron Bank says, well, our investors were becoming fond of your interest payments. And she said, well, let's see what we can do to keep them happy. And so there's an idea that she might be playing kind of some really kind of high-level, like, global politics and trying to keep the Iron Bank from being something that anyone else could buy. Right. Or it could just be that she wants the numbers for her army. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, how do you... I guess the question for me there is how does the 
what we assume will be the Battle of Winterfell end. Right. Like, how does this these how do these armies in the north deal with the White Walkers? Who wins? If there is a winner, is there a retreat from either side? I mean, because if if they win that in like episode three, there's still three episodes of just human war, right, to go on. Yeah, and we 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 don't know, but it could be that Cersei is planning because she says, uh, you know, let them kill each other. We'll do as well. Yeah, yeah. Let, let the monsters kill each other, and we'll we'll handle the rest. It could be that they're planning to like do some kind of pincer move. And they want to be able to prevent any kind of retreat from Winterfell and from the north. Yeah. Um, which would be uh, a, you know, very Cersei thing to do. I mean, the Golden Company's interesting. There's a, a huge army of badass mercenaries that just got dropped into the story. Yeah. Um, massive army. 20,000 soldiers. Right. And he said 2,000 horses, and they normally have elephants, which... I still, it's just hard for me to predict any of that. Until I know what the fuck the Night King wants. Right. Like, what his endgame is. Well, at the very least, we know that he wants to go south. And nothing nothing remains north after he's gone south past it. Right. So, that I think is... That, like, apart from, like, his weird art projects now. But, like, that is... It's interesting, right? Because he's sending messages. But the messages that he's sending are unclear. Right. And it would be one thing if you thought of him as, like some kind of undead tsunami where there's really no goal. He's just moving. But, you know, you've got these spiral of corpses that they find last season in that design. And then when they find young John Umber uh, kind of pinned to the wall, it's got the same design all in, like, legs, limbs. human limbs. Yeah. So he is messaging something. And it's the same symbol that... Um, John saw in the cave paintings. Right. It's that weird spirally thing. Right. So. So my, my, my gut says he's got a goal. Right. And it's not just fucking raise everybody. Right. So I don't know what his goal is. And uh, until then, it's hard to say. My guess is we don't see Golden Company mercenaries fighting any whites or white walkers. Um, you think it might be more of like a reserve force right now until we kind of know what happens? I could see a political game being started after the White Walkers are dealt with, mm-hmm. whatever that means, in the yeah. North. Yeah. Um, like, <clears throat> especially with John, like, well, you said you got this so we could beat them. They're either dead or they're back. We gave them this or whatever. Yeah. They got what they wanted. Now what? Like, now are you back with the, are you a North folk or are you still bit of the knee? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um... It could create another kind of immovable force that they have to pair with Danny with to defeat. Yeah. Um, but that'd be kind of boring. Yeah, it seems pretty trivial to to wage a war, to have another war with two human forces against each other after, if we presume that that's the space that's left over after they defeat the army of the dead. Like that, you just prevented the long winter. You almost, like, you obviously care if you die, but, you know, you've saved humanity, period. Right. Like, in your mind, you've saved humanity. That's in the picture mind, John's giving everyone. Right, yes. Because, of, of course, if there's something that the Night King wants that they could give the Night King for the Night King to go, all right, home now. Is, is his enemy man? Is his enemy everybody on Westeros? Is his enemy Cersei? Right. Is he, like, next... I mean, he's essentially Bran, but a Night King. Not to throw 
fuel on that theory, but... Right. Like, he knows shit that nobody else does. He's next level. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, I would... It would be weird if he was just like, I just want Westeros. I just want to kill men. Like, he wouldn't even have a reason to hate men. Right. Like, he was man. Yeah. You know? He kills the people who made him. They're dead. The right. People, the children of the woods or whatever. Yeah. So... So there's... I, I, I think... And this isn't obviously like an exhaustive list, but there's there's a couple of like popular theories about uh, what he may want. Uh, one of them kind of dates back to the weird peace that was brokered between Craster and the White Walkers, where anytime Craster would give birth and would have a boy, he would give him to the White Walkers, and for that, the White Walkers wouldn't kill him. Right. Um, almost saw him as like a resource uh, and a, a kind of a shaky alliance there. And that all was true until little Sam was born. So, do you think there's any credence to the theory that what the White Walkers want is they want little Sam? Uh, it's possible. Yeah. I don't, I can't comprehend why. I mean, it's, it, because it could be part of this weird, like, ancient, ancient pact that dates back to whatever happened after the end of the first long winter. It could be that, you know, this was a thing that was established that the Night King would come and they'd take a baby every now and then. And Craster was serving that purpose. And now that no one is serving that purpose, he's like, well, I want my newborn babies. Like, where are they? Right. We want to procreate and we want to propagate. And that's how we did it. And you took that from us. You took our only means of extending our species life. Sure. Or do you think it could be like a purely religious thing? Where they are trying to snuff out, you know, all of the, like, Raholer's followers. And, and, yeah. they, and they also believe that Azor Ahai has been born and are trying to find him and destroy him. Yeah. That's definitely possible. I still, I don't, I don't like the Baby Sam theory as much. Because, like, we still, before all that, in the first episode, saw White Walkers killing people. Right. So, like... They, they don't like something about people south of the wall. Right. Yeah. The first episode has rangers going north of the wall and they run into a White Walker and they get killed by a White Walker. Right. So, you know, that would already be... If, if, you, if you don't take the wall to be a boundary between borders of two separate nations, one is White Walker country, one is man country. Right. Then, yeah, that Baby Sam theory doesn't make sense. Right. But... but like, I mean, obviously. But it could be that. Right. Um, you know, the wildlings were the were the few people who would constantly get harassed and killed by the White Walkers. And they were, <clears throat> you know, maybe not part of the deal being north of the wall. Um, right. And maybe they were not all slaughtered and turned because of some shit. Because they were getting babies for... But even that, like, we would be led to believe there was some pact before that. It's right. not like Crasher was five thousand years old or whatever yeah we 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 would need a we would need a really long episode kind of explaining there'd be some like retcon shit going on yeah i mean it would be like sam needs to go back to the citadel right um even though we do kind of have a little bit you know sam did steal every book that he uh could find any mention of white walkers in yeah so there's still room for exposition even within our tiny cast of characters yeah tiny cast characters (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but 
yeah, I'm I'm curious what they want too, and I'm not sure if we're ever gonna find out. Uh, yeah, that'd be a little disappointing, only because they are so. Like he's the one who can fuck with Bran, right? You know what I mean. So he's not just like some faceless zombie. Yeah. Um, but they could definitely make it watchable without that. Yeah. I just I feel like that would start to connect a lot of dots. Yeah. If we know what he what their goal is. I mean, and Bran's not like expert yet. He said at some point that he needs to work on his abilities. Right. So. It's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's really interesting to think that we could be, everyone, the internet, everyone could be overthinking this whole thing, and maybe they are just foreign invaders. Yeah. Maybe they just want to go south and kill a bunch of people because they like the cold weather better, and they hate Florida. I don't know. Yeah. But... And they just raise everybody they kill. And yeah. I mean, it's, when, um... I feel like the Golden Army, though, to get to your original question real quick, is it... Don't give a fuck about Westeros. No. They, they, so as soon as they see some shit like that, they're just going to be like, peace. Yeah. And they're going to get on their fucking ships and haul ass back to SS. Well, they're the military arm of the Iron Bank. Right. So they're the ones who come to call for contracts when they're not paid. And so they also... you So you hire them through the Iron Bank. And the Iron Bank gives you the Golden Company. And there are stories about the Golden Company kind of like... You know, like dipping out on some of their obligations. Um, if someone offers to pay them more, like if someone offers the Iron Bank like more than what Cersei paid them, which I doubt anyone could, since they can't feed, you know, forty-five hundred thousand people or however many thousand people are in Winterfell for more than a year, I doubt anyone can pay them more. But I mean, they, I guess there's somebody on like Essos could. Yeah, Illyrio Mopathus could come back and be like, hey, remember yeah, me? I mean, from- we still have characters on SS that we know well. Yeah. Um, Darren Ayers is there, right? Running... Yunkai? Yeah. Yeah. And I forget who was in charge of Astapor. Or they abandoned it, I forget. I Astapor's where she got the Unsullied, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think they just... She was like... Sack it. Yeah. Kill, kill them all and let's get out of here. Yeah. But yeah, so there's there's still an opportunity for an unseen influence to, to come in. It feels really late for them to do that, though. Yeah, it'd have to be a... Uh, a mentioned character. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, if you get... Um, uh, you said Ravens across the Chelsea? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, because uh, Tyrion would get them. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. But the... Uh, also, uh, what's the name? He was trying to... Help assassinate Danny. Oh, Jorah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you still have that guy, uh, if he ever got released from his vault, uh, whose name I forget, who's got three and names. Karth? I think, maybe. Is Karth the greatest city that ever was and yeah. ever will be? Yeah. <laughs> the guy she just locks in the vault forever? Yeah. The big black dude? Yeah. But there's something about the well, Night Karth King. Karth was fucking weird, man. Yeah. So there's something from Karth that I want to bring up. Uh, I forget who the uh, Red Priestess was. But Danny kind of gets visited by a red priestess, um, and and then she gets visited by the the purple mouth man, and her dragons get stolen. Yeah. Um, and and the the guy with the purple mouth, whose name I forget, <clears throat> he basically tells her like magic has been stronger since the dragons were born. So this is either one big coincidence that like, hey, the dragons are born, and Bran can be the three eyed raven. 
and uh, like Arya is having wolf dreams, and so are John and supposedly and Arya kind of like shapeshift. Arya is a shapeshifter, right. but it's kind of hinted that the faceless man could do that forever because they right. got an assassin into Winterfell to try and kill Bran. Right, Littlefinger did. Um, you know. And, like, Melisandre and Thoros are both kind of really fucking surprised when they can bring people back from the dead. Right. Um, so I'm wondering if this is, like, maybe there's some magical source that the Night King is trying to defeat. Whether it is the dragons or it's something Dan- else. Danny. Danny. Yeah. Or, that's why I bring it back to the Azor High thing. Like, maybe it's, maybe Azor High was born. And yeah. they are the Lightbringer, the one to snuff out the darkness. So they're fighting to stop them being completely eradicated. Yeah, or it could have been something not born in the like literal sense. I guess I mean nothing in the literal sense is likely. I feel like, but right. like Danny could be Azora High. She was born when the dragon eggs were like right created, or when she killed all the Dothraki men, or something born from fire. You know what I mean? Yeah, because something that's really short lived in the show that kind of lasts that lingers in the books. Is the uh, is the the red streaking comet, um, right? That kind of the red priest see as the sign from Roller that uh, that that Azor Ahai has been born, um, and in in the books it's, it's kind of a bigger deal because it is seen all over uh, at Westeros, um, and I think Essos too, at least on the the western shore of it, and people like all over are remarking how like crazy it is that this like comet is just, like, staying kind of locked in the sky in this big red, like, kind of tear in the sky. Um, so, some, like, biblical analogs there, but... Sure. It's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see what his motivations are, but I think we are many, not many, because we don't have many. We're a few episodes away <laughs> Many from seconds away from yeah. <laughs> realizing. Um, so what do you think we get next week? So, next week, uh, I think, and we talked about this after we watched it live, um, I think we're going to have more table setting. I don't think there's there's a lot of room yet for um, like big moves. Um, but if if this was the clock ticking down from eleven fifty four to eleven fifty five, I think that next week we're going to move from eleven fifty five to eleven fifty nine on the doomsday clock. Yeah, I think we'll get a little more like battle planning. Yeah, um, and less like I'm here now, hug me, shit. Right. Um, but we're definitely going to get some Jon Snow, Danny shit, or they're not going to be in the episode. Right. Um, and I do think, you know, this is kind of like looking at an edit to predict the Survivor winner, so it's kind of shitty. But, like, seeing who the director is for episode three, that's going to be your big... Yeah. And it's your big battle. And it's David Nutter again for episode two, so it is a little cheating to know that he does mostly table-setting episodes. Right. Um, so I think we've got another week to... Um, and it's only 60 minutes long. Right. So, so you know, if, if last week was, you know, getting excited, I think that this is going to be the week where this is going to be the week where, we, where we catch our breath from the excitement of it coming back. I'd agree. Um, but, uh, yeah, we had some stuff teased in the next week on, um, the group that was at, uh, uh, the last hearth, which was the Umber house keep. Yeah. Um, they they decide they figure out that they can make it back to Winterfell to warn people that they basically have like a day until the Night's King. I wonder if we'll see there. much of that because they're they tell you there there is a straight line between them and Winterfell and the White Walkers are in between. Right. They're on that line. Um, so they've got horses. So, but you still have to go around right. somewhere. But yeah, uh, they make it back. 
for Winterfell, which is probably the last like chess piece there, but Jamie. Yeah. Uh, I guess Theon still needs to get there, but Yep. Um, and Theon's got an interesting journey because he can get pretty close to Winterfell. Uh, the neck is pretty narrow, so he can get pretty far inland with his ship. Um, yeah, I guess we assume they're heading up the like west side of West Westeros. I think it would it would have to be the east side with King's Landing, and then it cuts in there. So he'll basically pass Dragonstone, where he might but, even. But Yara's going to the far west, right? Then we're down on Yeah. Oh, good point. So so she she's, might go around she's the south. Gotta go south. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so, but you're right. Theon is, is is another piece that needs to get there, and I bet there'll be a very uh, Roman handshake moment between him and John, and they're going to apologize to each other again. Yeah, I mean, John, that that arc kind of got completed a little bit last season or two seasons ago, last season. Yeah, where John was pretty much like, "You saved Sansa. That's the only reason you're alive right now." Yeah, so I think that's understood by yeah. both of them. And, yeah, and fair. <laughs> yep, and then I think we're going to have a trial of Jamie Lannister. Um, it looked like that kind of was where it was going, and so he's got uh, lots of enemies who are in Winterfell, and he's got actually a lot of allies there too. Um, you know, between Tyrion and you know uh, Brienne, and he's got all the people at the council who were there who saw him and known to be true. He's, he's, he's really his main opponents are really just Danny and Sansa, two families who he's wronged. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he takes kind of an honorable, like I did what I had to do, or if he tells the truth about, you know, Eris the Mad. Does, alright, one more question then before we go. Does hey. Bran tell people that Jamie pushed him off in the first episode? Um, I don't know. I think, I think that Bran either cares about politics or he doesn't. And if he cares about politics, I don't think he will. Because he does care about the Night King and avoiding him or stopping him and might think that Jamie could be useful in it, having Valyrian steel. Um, if he doesn't care about politics, I still think that he may not say in front of other people. I think but, he, he could have a quiet conversation with Jamie, and then if he goes to trial, Bran's just not there. Right. Um, I don't think that the that Bran could really do anything to exonerate him either, so I don't know what purpose he would have being in front of the, the, the council before Danny, Sansa, and Jon Snow, but Yeah, it would feel it'd be weird if Bran I mean, the only thing I can think of would be Bran telling Jamie, like, don't tell them. Right. And that would feel a little weird. Yeah. And Jamie telling Bran don't tell them it j I feel like Bran's response would be, Why would I tell anyone? Right. Like, I know. I know everything. Right. Because like when Sam said that he and Bran worked out that John was a Targaryen, it must have been by like force from Sam, right? Because I doubt that Bran was really kind of itching to like you know like gossip about people, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think I think it'll it'll be an interesting episode, but still kind of one where we are laying the rungs for the ladder. Um, yeah. But uh, one last thing before we go. There's some really cool shot-for-shot uh, shot, uh, uh, kind of homages to uh, Season 1, Episode 1, um, including uh, Bran scrambling up the tree to try and see yeah. uh, Robert Baratheon and Cersei showing up at Winterfell. Yeah. Uh, starts with a little kid like that. Arya trying to struggling to go like catch a glimpse of her dad who's coming home. Yeah. Um, even to the point where when Jamie makes it into Winterfell and takes off his helmet for the first time in season one, episode one, 
uh, he has basically mimicked movements to what he did this season. <laughs> um, That's cool. So there, there are people who are who are who are very high on the uh, cinematography for this episode, and I think it was I don't know it was for it being kind of a uh, like a palate cleanser. It's like oh, we're back in the Game of Thrones. I thought it was pretty well done. Nice. Well, cool. Any final thoughts? Not really. I think we did a we did I think we did an excellent job. At least okay. <laughs> and if you think we did an okay job, uh, go rate us on your favorite pod snatching app. I'm going to uh, be here next week with TJ talking about random stuff. We've got episodes going up tomorrow and Thursday. We may not do three a week every week, but if if it's deserved, yeah. You know, let us know on our groups: TV bias, movies bias, games bias. Uh, if you can stomach three episodes a week, because if you just say, "Hey guys, it's too many podcasts," it gets in, in in the middle of my podcast flow. We'll hear you. There are a few of you, and uh, we'll <laughs> listen. Uh, but send us an email at themediabias at gmail dot com if you've got thoughts. Tweet at us at themediabias on Twitter. And uh, yeah, special thanks to the Willow Walkers. Willow Walkers. A little disappointed you didn't record a new theme for us uh, this week. Um, and special thanks to Burifa. Uh, also, a little let down. We didn't get a good Game of Thrones outro from you. Uh, but thanks, CJ. Thanks, Chris. Bye. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things that I know.